Morning, everybody. So, you know what's cool today is I was watching and meeting and greeting everybody coming in. Uh, there are people like, like we have people that are from out of town, second homeowners, people who have lived here for 25 years, kids back from college. We've got, you know, I mean, it's the whole thing. It's, it's incredible. I'm so excited. Some I'm, people are brand new, first timers. Uh, I just, you know, the church has got to be a warm, welcoming, loving place, no matter where you are spiritually. The, you know, in the main thing that we do together has got to reflect that. So I hope you feel welcome wherever you are in your spiritual journey. I hope that you move forward some today. So uh, it's great to have all you. It's so fun. Have you guys back. Uh, it is, it is in you guys while you're not working on the mountain, as you know, um, so it's my belief that if you're in this room, that you want to go deeper in your relationship with God. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to take a step forward with him. I mean, you didn't just show up here, you know, just because there's nothing else to do. You're here because you want to walk with him deeply. And it doesn't mean that you want to just walk with him deeply on Sunday morning. It's not just this moment that you're looking for that, but you want it to be that way through the whole week. And then through the month, and then as your life progresses, you want your history to be one, a story that's told of your deep walk and trust in God as you do that. That's what I believe about you if you're here, and and for myself as well. But all of us struggle with that. And that's another reason we're here. He's like, dang it. Ah, you know, why, what's going on? What, you know, where was I? What was I thinking? You know, how did this happen? I just did the most embarrassing and immature thing, you know, where my faith was not reflected. There's just this process, at least I'm constantly going through. And uh, that is one of the reasons for this short series we're doing right here, this four sermon uh, series that we're calling, uh, what are we calling it? Training something. Yeah, training days. There it is. <laughs> That's why these notes are so important, people. There's nothing in here. It's all right here. Yeah. The idea is that these are practices tra- you train in order to improve and grow. And so these are practices for ordinary people that are transformational. Right? We want to, to, to do the things that, and practice the things that help us walk deeply, well and, wa- and know God deeply. Walk well with him and know him deeply. And, and I think that's all of us in this room. So that's the point of this. I mentioned last week that uh, though you might think those are my legs, um, you know, you just assume that I did a, a running selfie. Uh, you know, uh, that's not me up there. So we're going to look at four practices. Uh, the first one we did was uh, about knowing the word, knowing it well. When you know the word well, then you know Jesus. And that's the foundation. That's the grounding, like this the stone that this, the house was built on is knowing the word. And then today we're going to talk about generosity, the practice of generosity and what that means. And then uh, next week is, uh, we're going to talk about uh, retreat and solitude with God. And then the, the fourth one, I still don't know. But there's so many to choose from. So it's going to be a, a surprise when that happens. Uh, but today, the practice of generosity. And here's what I want to say about it. This is, this is the main point. The practice of generosity directly reflects the grace of God. So if you don't leave with anything else, the, I, that idea that the practice or practicing generosity directly reflects the grace of God. 
God's, God's grace is undeserved, goodness that's given that is undeserved. And so generosity reflects that in a tangible way. So we're going to come back to that a couple times. So we're in the book of 2 Corinthians, or the letter, this is the second letter that Paul's written. So if you want to turn there or pop it open or, or look up here. So, you know, we've been studying Ephesians for several weeks. We were doing that. And Ephesians is kind of a peaceful, encouraging book. You read it and you're like, yeah, I get that. And, all. Well, the, and, and they were in a tough environment, society, culture that they lived in. It was tough. But the Corinthians, they're like wild men and women. I mean, if you read that, it's totally different feel than the, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. It's just a different feel. And he just comes at them and he's, he's really bold and confronts all these things that are going on in their lives, which he really doesn't have to do with the Ephesians. Ephesians is kind of encouraging. And, and first and second Corinthians are like, all right, people, you are doing this. This, has not, this does not look like following Christ. So he's really blunt with them. But he, he has these amazing passages in there Paul wants us to see. Um, to share with them. And this one is one about, it's a story of generosity. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. So let's read it. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, our Christians. And this, not only as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. All right. So, three things. The purpose of generosity the paradox of generosity and the practice of generosity. Purpose, paradox, and practice. And we're going to unfold the passage in, in those three steps. So let's talk about the purpose of generosity for a minute. Uh, Paul starts, this, the first part in the first sentence even talks about that purpose. Uh, look at 8.1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been, among, that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. The, the churches of Macedonia, you know, honestly, the, when I hear the word Macedonia, it sounds like the Flintstones to me. I'm not going to lie. It sounds like there's the neighboring community called Macedonia, you know, that somebody, that, that Barney is from or something, but that's not true. Um, Macedonia had uh, places in it like uh, Philippi, which there's a letter written to, uh, Thessalonica, which there's a a letter written to, and Berea, which is talked about. So that's what he's talking about. He's collecting them all in this region. So he, he wants to tell them a story. I want you to know about this. And this is, the, this is really encouraging to me because Paul is telling a story about generosity that he wants us to hear. He wanted them to hear it. He wanted to speak into the lives of these truly uh, wild Christians, like really on the fringe Christians, and speak into their lives and say, here's what, this is, the, this is the meaning and the purpose and the reality of generosity. So look and listen to this story. So I'm, I'm asking you to do that with me right now as we look through this. This is, a, this is a true story about generosity. And, you know, as we get going, I probably should tell you and be as transparent as I can, I, I really struggle with generosity personally. Uh, not because I don't think it's great, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> um, 
but uh, generosity is not something that is that comes naturally to me. Um, I, uh, in fact, for several years, I've been praying specifically for two uh, characteristics or practices or, or thing, you know, generosity is a practice and it's also a, a gift that some people have. But I've been praying that God would give me the gift of generosity or just increase my generosity because it's just not natural to me. I like it. I think it's awesome, but it just doesn't come natural. So I've been praying for a long time and uh, still, you know, like, hello, you know. Uh, but, you know, this actually studying this story, this narrative that Paul presents to us was really encouraging to me because I realized we were talking and Paul's talking about the practice of generosity. And I've been, I've been like, Lord, please help me be two things. Help me grow in humility and help me with generosity. And I'm kind of thinking, he's going to bestow generosity on me. Like it's suddenly, it's going to pop out and I'm going to be, oh yeah, now I've got this, I'm so generous all of a sudden. Well, I don't think, that, that's not working. Okay, <laughs> so let's just say. So perhaps I just need to practice generosity. And that's kind of what's been coming home to me. In fact, you know, when you, somebody says, hey, let's run a marathon together, you don't go run the full marathon day one. You just run a little bit. You don't have to be totally gifted and fit day one. It's a process. And so that's something that's been coming home to me even as I've been studying this. And I just want to be honest with you guys about that. Um, in fact, when I first came to Obi Joyful, I was, that was a significant part of what I was struggling with. Like, why am I not generous? What is wrong with me? And so uh, we did two, and some of you took part in this. We did two we, little weekend things on generosity. Some friends of mine came over from other towns and did this little mini, mini conference day, uh, and it was called uh, Generous Giving. Just taught you how to give. So I'm in the first one. This is Saturday morning. I'm here. It's like 2013. I'm, I'm new at Christ's Tribune. And uh, they, they start, there's like three meetings. And the first meeting starts with a video to get you kind of tuned into the issue, tuned into what's going on. And the beginning of the screen the, of the video is black. And you just hear this audio. Well, the audio is this extremely distinct voice. I'm like, I know that guy's voice. And I'm listening, I'm like, that's my friend Lance, which is really weird because, you know, how in the world would this thing all be coming together? So I'm listening and listening, and because I haven't seen him in a long time, I'm, I was surprised. So uh, it's been like three years since I saw that, but I found the video, and it's, I, w- I want you all to see it. It's just, uh, it's four minutes, and I think it'll kind of orient us just a little bit. So check it out. You know how sometimes it feels like life just happens? You know, just random things seem to fill your day. Things with little or no consequence to anyone else. I mean, I know God's in control of my life, but I never really saw how much he was weaving my story with other people's stories, and really into his story. Well, that's all changed. It was a cold day, the kind where you really don't want to have some long conversation outside with someone especially with someone you don't really know. But that's exactly what God had in mind. Amy and I had just eaten lunch at Dumplin's downtown Franklin, 
And we were walking to the car and we see this couple that I thought I recognized from church. It would have been awkward just to walk by him and not say anything. So we stopped and said, hey, and did the whole, yeah, yeah, you guys go to fellowship thing, whatever. Well, we start talking and the whole Dave Ramsey thing comes up. They asked us where we were in the process, and I told them that so far we paid off 60000 but still had $10,000 left to go. They asked us what we would do when we were debt-free, and I laughed and told them, well, I told my kids I'd buy them a trampoline, what we really wanted to adopt, and we committed to being debt-free before we did. The whole conversation only lasted about three minutes. It was like, nice to meet you. That was random. Well, the next day, that random person shows up at my office with this brand new trampoline. I couldn't believe it. It was like, my kids are going to freak. I set it up that night, and my kids jumped on that thing for four hours. I mean, we didn't even know these people. They didn't have to do that. I mean, really, that's pretty generous. Well, the next day, I get an email from the same lady saying, Oh, you guys seem like a sharp couple, and we'd love to come by and talk to you about something. I emailed her back and said, That sounds like a multi-level marketing proposal. And if it was, we really weren't interested. Of course, she says it's not that sort of deal, but she was really persistent. She even called Amy. Amy had been sick, and it really wasn't a great time to have company over. Our house is a wreck, and we didn't feel like picking it up. We said everything short of, please don't come over to my house. So they show up, and I'm like, here we go. Let's get this over with. Don't say yes to anything. I couldn't believe they sunk their claws into us with that trampoline to get us involved in some pyramid scheme. <laughs> anyway, so we small talked for about five minutes, and then right when I thought they were about to drop the bomb, they did. But it wasn't the bomb I was expecting. So the lady says, well, we told you we'd only be a few minutes, and I really don't know how to say this, but we want to pay off your $10,000 left in debt so you guys can adopt. She pulls out her checkbook and goes, how do you spell your guys' names? What? Are you kidding me? Are you for real? I mean, who does that? Who writes somebody a check for $10,000 and gives it to people they don't even know? So they give us a check and they said, just don't act weird around the church and just don't tell anybody it was us. And they drove off. I mean, Amy and I stood there for 10 minutes in total shock. And we cried and we screamed. And we ran all over the yard and the house. Unbelievable. I mean, seriously, it was beyond belief. We realized nine months later when we brought Malaya home, the check they wrote us was dated nine months prior to Malaya's due date. They gave us that money right about the time our daughter was conceived. It was like God was saying, I have a baby out there for you right now. I'm not waiting around another two years for you to pay off that debt. We felt called to adopt, but we simply couldn't afford to do it on our own. We found that this random couple had already adopted four children and felt a calling to continue to serve through adoption. Rather than bringing more children into their home, they decided to help others adopt. It didn't just happen. It wasn't random at all. God knew His plan. He had just invited us to walk with Him through this process. He was weaving our callings, our stories together for us to love and to care for each other, to make a beautiful tapestry for His glory. Thank you, Jesus. So, pretty cool story. Um, 
I called him after that. I was like, Lance, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, it's unbelievable, you know, and there's actually another part to the story I haven't heard yet, but, um, you know, I think what I probably should say is I'm not talking about giving to the church. I'm not asking, I'm not, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about giving to any particular thing. I'm, I'm talking about generosity. Generosity reflects and reveals the grace of God. Would you like to be a part of that? Would you practice, can we practice that? Would that be, have you ever met somebody who is generous that wasn't a happy person? Think about, when you think about the generous people, the people who have the gift of generosity, which I don't, there is something about them that is different. Now, we're not all going to have that gift, but I just want to make sure you understand, we're talking about generosity in general. So the purpose of generosity is to reveal who God is. He says, we want you to know, brethren or brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among these churches. Okay, so he starts off by saying, this is what it's all about. This is the purpose. It's, the, it's to show the grace of God and it's given. Okay, it's all just right there. This is what this thing of, give, of, of generosity does. It's about giving. Uh, let, me, let me read this uh, quote to you. The purpose of generosity is to reveal the grace of God through giving something away. It's not about us. It's not about what we give. It's not about how we give or, what, or who we give to. It's simply about this, the grace of God. All right, the pur- so that's the purpose, the paradox of generosity. So the details of the story are kind of unusual. And if you're like me, you, you know, I grew up in the church so I'll read passages from the Bible and I'll read them and I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. But if I was to go back and look at them closely, I'd be like, what was that? And I think when we do this, most of you who weren't looking confused when we read it the first time will be now. Because look, look at what he says in verse two. This is the paradox. He says, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now, that's a weird sentence, but I read it a minute ago, and everybody's like, that's good. If we just do that with the Bible, I don't know why. It's too hard. I don't know. I get the main idea. Okay, I'm going on. So, but there's so much in this. So let me just point out to, to you this, this real important thing. Uh, affliction is bad, okay? I don't use the word affliction very often. Probably you don't either. When we say someone's afflicted, I mean, we, we're serious, Right? If you hear someone say, she is, it's so hard, everything is so, she, it's like she is under affliction, right? It's a serious word. It was serious then, it's serious. You know, I've always been confused. Like in North Dallas, where I came from, uh, there's, you don't see this too much here, but you've probably seen it around. There's a brand of clothing called Affliction. Anybody familiar with Affliction? Okay, a couple of you guys. You're like World Wrestling Federation people. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but um, they're pretty cool shirts. You know, they have, they say affliction, they have all this stuff on them. And I'm like, these marketers are awesome because they're getting us to wear stuff that says like the most horrible thing ever. <laughs> it's just a different word for it. This is terrible. You know, this is the worst possible thing, affliction. And so, you know, I've, I'm always baffled by that, but you see, you know, dudes walking around with affliction shirts. Um, but affliction is a very rough place to be. 
But in here, here's where the paradox comes. It's almost like Paul describes it like, like the affliction that they're in, this terrible place that they're in, is almost like a container, if you will. It's like when you look at them, you see this, you, you describe their life as afflicted. It's rough. That's this container. But then he says, these followers of Jesus, by the way, sometimes you can follow Jesus, it can be really hard. They had an abundance of joy. All right. So inside of this affliction is a, an abundance of joy, which can only come because you know Jesus. You don't have an abundance of joy when you're afflicted, unless you have a big reason for hope. And inside the affliction is extreme poverty altogether. Okay? Abundance, there's the modifying words, abundance of joy and extreme poverty are together. And then look, he says, and then those two things, joy and poverty in the midst of affliction, actually overflowed the edges of the container and it overflowed as generosity. Now, when we read that the first time, we weren't thinking about that stuff. That's an incredible paradox that's happening. It's only possible in the life of a believer. Tyler Hansen and I were talking this week, and he, he was, we were talking about this topic, and he said, uh, yeah, I've always thought and I've heard people say, you know, if I just had a little bit more, then I'd be generous. I'd be more generous. Isn't that kind of what you said, Tyler? Yeah. And thinking, yeah, I think the same thing. If I just had, you know, once I get that raise, I can give, you know, more of that to, you know. And then the, the thing about, about wealth and about the things that we collect is that they're, it's almost like mass, and I'm not a really good physics guy, but I do know that the more mass you have, the more gravity you have, right? And it's like when we are amassing things and amassing our wealth and amassing our paycheck, it, instead of freeing us, it actually attaches us to it more tightly, right? And I know if you have wealth, if you, or even if you don't think you have wealth, which we do in, this, in these states, we're just, we have a hard time uh, extracting ourselves from that, now, some of you, there's a couple, there are a couple of you in here that are confused by what I'm talking about because you have the gift of generosity and you're like, what? This is so easy. What are you even talking about? Why do you struggle with that? It's so easy. It's so much fun. My life is just, you know, I really understand what you're talking about. So I'm sorry, but this message is not for you. We're, we're thankful that you are that person. So I'm just talking to the other 11 or 12 of us that are in here. But so that's the paradox of generosity that's in this passage. In the midst of suffering and all this, it's not about being wealthy. It's not about the size of the gift, obviously, but there's something that overflows. It is generosity in the midst of whatever because of our faith, because it reveals who God is and about his, it reveals his grace. So, okay, that's that. The practice of generosity. It's pretty amazing in this verse or this, this series of verses that he gives us like a clear outline of the practice of generosity. And since we read it so fast, you may not have seen it the first time. But he says, this, you guys, is how the Macedonians, the Philippians, the Thessalonians, and the Bereans did it. Look at verse 3. They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. In this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by his will to us. So the second and third words are pretty important. They gave. They gave, they 
separated themselves from something that they had with no expectation of remuneration. They weren't expecting to be paid back, but they gave voluntarily. So they're doing that, but what were they giving to? What was this thing that they were doing? Well, apparently, there were people who had worse affliction than they did. They were trying to follow Christ. And at this time, there's a whole bunch of things changing with the Roman Empire and the the people who are following Jesus. And it's starting to get rough. If you read those books, you know, it's starting to, to get tough. And so they're giving to them. And in the process, there's two things they care about, it looks like to me. One is they care about these people who are struggling, perhaps even more than they are. But the second thing is they want the message of hope of the gospel to go out. So they're giving to Paul and these other dudes and, and women who are spreading the word of the gospel throughout these places. So they want to see these things happen in conjunction with each other. And, and that's what they, they are giving to. Now, like the video we saw, that was... Uh, just a special thing where these people had a vision to, to rescue babies. And they helped. I, I think that's so cool. They figured out that they couldn't do anymore. They'd help somebody else do it. Well, that's an incredible example of generosity and a picture of the redemptive work of the gospel, which is the grace of God. So they, uh, they gave. Um, we talked about what they were giving to. Uh, but then he says, they gave according to their means. Now, to me, that sounds pretty, pretty much the way I operate. I'm like, well, I got to do this, and I need that, and we got to buy this, and that bill, and I got this, and then I've got this much left over, so I've done my accounting, and I'm going to do that. And, I mean, that's just how I kind of tend to operate. They, they gave what they could give. And Paul says, that was awesome. That was really good. Now, some of you, again, I go back to this, if you grew up in the church or you've been around very long, Somewhere you probably heard this thing from the Hebrew scripture, the Old Testament, that said, oh, 10%. 10% is what, how it works. Well, that's a great starting place. That's good. But that's a rule that was given to some people in a different, in a different, God was relating with them in a different way. Now he relates to us through Jesus Christ. And 10% is just now something that makes us feel either really great or really stinky right? I'm not 10%, but I'm more than that, so I'm okay. You know, there's this weird boundary or something. And I'm only talking to those of you who know, who have been through that experience. 10% is great. There's nothing wrong with it. But when it becomes a rule, it changes from this overflowing to something else. And that's not what generosity is about. It's not about a rule. So they gave according to their means. But I think how they did that, perhaps, was that they saw them, and this may be the most the really important part about this whole thing, is that they saw themselves as stewards of the wealth of a generous owner. Okay, so a steward in those days, when you said steward, then immediately a picture came up. The picture was this, that there's a wealthy person or wealthy family, and they have a steward or a broker who's a servant of their family who manages the money. So I was just telling my friend uh, John, who helps people be generous with their money and, and, and make investments, I said, well, you would have been a slave in the family of a rich guy, you know, if you were in those days, which he said it feels like often <laughs> in his work. But um, that was the role of a steward was to manage the resources of someone else. 
And so in, in woven through the scripture is the idea that as people who follow God, that we, are peop- we also are stewards of what he owns. Because there, I know there's not one of us in here would say, that's mine, it's not God's, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it in the grave, I'm getting buried with it. You know, whatever, you know, nobody thinks that in here. But when it works into practical reality, we're like, oh, no, 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 that's mine. And God, don't take it away. It's mine, mine. No, these, these things are, we all would agree, are his. So are we stewards of those things? Uh, we've, been, we've been given the privilege of managing the resources of someone that we know is extremely generous. Does that make sense? (laughs) And on that note, so are you viewing your resources as yours, which a portion of which, a portion which I dutifully exact from my life, surgically remove and give to God because it's painful, or is a steward engaged in the passions and concerns of the one who owns the resources? Just a question to ask yourself. Okay, a couple more things I think they're important to see as we finish up. They gave beyond their means. And this is different from me, where I'm, I'm like, well, I've got this much left over. They didn't start there. They gave beyond their means. That, mean, that doesn't mean they borrowed money to give it away. But they said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to give to the extent that God has to provide for us. You know, I can't say that I've been in that position personally, but that's what that means. They gave in accordance with what they had, but they also went beyond what they had and said, God, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to trust you. And we know you want this. We know we're committed. We've heard from you and we want to be generous in this way. So we're going to take a risk. And then it says they gave of their own accord. This doesn't mean that they're all driving Hondas. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I know. That was super dumb to do. I shouldn't have done that. But um, you, you can't, sometimes you just have to. Um, they, they were not pressured. No one was twisting their arms saying, you're going to be better if you give this, or you have to give this much. You have to do this. There wasn't any of that stuff. That, that, that wasn't what, and Paul even says a little bit later, he says, it, it wasn't that they gave because we expected it of them. This is just a story, Paul says, of their generosity on their own. They got together and they were just crazy generous. And it revealed the grace of God. And I love this. He says that they were begging earnestly to help. That also does, I'm just going to be honest, it doesn't describe my attitude towards giving and separating myself from my wealth for the benefit of others so that God's grace can be seen. I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor, uh, we had an internship program. I had this guy who'd volunteered with me for a long time. And then he came in as an intern. And I remember going into my office, and this happened day after day. I would, uh, he, and he was great as a volunteer. And when he was on staff, I came in. He's getting paid to do what he's, he's doing. And I, I would come to my office. He'd be sitting in there, just sitting there. You know, like, hey, Brian, what's up? Let's, you know, and then... Um, we would come up with a plan and he would go. And then the next day I'd come in, he'd just be sitting there. Every day he would be sitting there. And I, finally I was like, hey, why, why are you just sitting in here every time I come in here? The thing was that 
I, what I wanted, and, and maybe I didn't do a good job of telling him, is I wanted him to act aggressively around the things that he was called to. You know, I wanted him to move out on his own and say, this is where I'm going. I know this is what we're doing. I want to be engaged in these things instead of waiting for me to tell him each and every step. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think that's maybe the difference. These people weren't just waiting to hear until somebody came and said, oh, this is it. This is the way you can get engaged. No, they were actively saying on their own, how can we be generous? How can I be generous? How can I practice this? They were, how does he say it? They were begging, begging to be a part of it, to get up off the couch and move on their own. And so these are all these pieces of how, you know, the practice of generosity. And it's just laid out. You can outline it yourself. You see all the bullet points. And I'll I'll close with this one. Um, The last one is it says that they gave themselves to the Lord first. This is about giving themselves to the Lord, not about money or anything else, not about ourselves. It was about being a steward and giving themselves to God first. And then the result was that there were benefits for the people around. So because generosity, like I said earlier, is not about me. It's not about who I give to or how I give or what I give. It's about, it's a story of the grace of God revealed through generosity. So wanted to share that with you, wrestling with it myself. Tyler, are you going to wrap us up or we're going to close? Close. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you for this family of people. And I know that uh, it's so cool with the scripture, with your, with your words that you gave us, that you don't uh, just let it all be comfy stuff, like big, warm uh, teddy bear hugs of something. It's more about the absolute truth and actually stuff that we know. And God, when we talk about generosity and we talk about what we think our possessions are, it gets tough. But uh, at the same time, Lord, we are all striving to grow, walk with you, each one of us. And so I, I know without a doubt that generosity reflects who you are. And it is such a powerful, and beautiful thing in, in everyone's life. So we, we just ask for it. Inspire us, God. Give us uh, a heart like the, those Macedonian people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, glad y'all were here. Have a wonderful afternoon. Say hi to everybody on the way out.